even now, if I Google any sort of wellness or fitness info, as someone, this has been my life, I get overwhelmed. There is so much out there. So I can't imagine someone starting new and just looking online and being like, what do I do? And as ADHD, that is exhausting. Hello, and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. I'd like to share the following review from Amber, and this one was left on Audible. Amber writes, so much love. I was diagnosed before the pandemic shut everything down. In the beginning, it was more of an answer to why I felt quote unquote lazy. But after finding your podcast on a whim and binge listening, I am learning that I need to stop looking at ADHD as an excuse and look at it as it is who I am. Every episode that I have listened to so far is eye-opening and very, quote, I have found my people, quote. Thank you so much for creating this slice of community. Thank you, Amber. It makes me so happy that you found this podcast and even happier that you shared your feedback in the form of a review so that other women like you can find this podcast and all of these amazing women's stories. And then they can also thank I Found My People. Speaking of feedback, I love, love, love getting emails and DMs from listeners who tell me how meaningful you're finding these episodes. And often it boggles my mind that you've spent the time to put your thoughts into words because that is a really hard thing, at least for me to do. I am a talker, obviously. So if you are a talker like me, you can now go to my website and leave me a voicemail message for feedback or questions or any ideas for the podcast. Simply head over to womenandadhd.com slash voicemail and leave me a message. And that link will also be in the episode show notes. Okay, let's dive into episode 31 in which I interview Karen Broda. Karen is a certified personal trainer and wellness coach for women with ADHD. She lives in the beautiful province of British Columbia and her coaching is rooted in mindfulness and learning to get out of your head so you can begin to master your own mind and physical body. Karen and I talk all about the various ways we face chronic overwhelm in our lives, including fitness and our health, and what it means to identify as an active fit person. We also discuss downsizing and simplifying our lives and tiny homes. If you're trying to get out of your own way when it comes to fitness and your health, you will definitely get a lot out of this episode and you will probably want to take notes. Also, I've talked quite a bit about my amazing business coach in several episodes at this point, including the one you're about to listen to. So I wanted to make sure I give her a shout out by name. Her name is Lori Ostrovsky of Simply Leap. And while she doesn't market herself as an ADHD business coach, she really understands our brains and working with her has been nothing short of transformative for me. So I highly recommend her. You can find Lori at simplyleap.com. And I will also put her link in the show notes if you want to look her up. You will not regret it. In the meantime, here is my conversation with Karen. Enjoy. All right. So why don't we get started? And you said you were diagnosed at the age of 32. So why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, when that was and kind of what were the signs that led you to seek out this diagnosis? Yeah. And it's funny when I think back to it, I don't even know what triggered why I thought I had ADHD. I could not recall the exact instant, but it was fairly recent. It was probably in the fall, maybe September, October time when I started to suspect it. And a few things were happening at that time. I was working with a mindset coach and I also had a coworker with ADHD. And I think I found out around that time that she had that as well. And we just really bonded well as, as we do with other ADHDers. And I think what came up was that I was doing all of this mindset stuff for many years and even more so working with this coach and then talking with his coworker, I realized there's like a something missing here. Like I still felt like I couldn't be an adult. Like I just couldn't do all the things that I, sh- I felt I should be able to do. And then started to explore ADHD. I, I never thought... I shouldn't say I was judgmental of it, but I didn't fully know what it was. So I just thought, you know, the little boy hyperactive syndrome. I was like, that is not me. Like I have energy, but that's not me. And 
figured if I had ADHD, that means like I'm broken, like that my brain wasn't, wasn't good enough. And I did so well in school and I always worked hard and hard work meant results. Right. And I realized, oh, I worked hard because it was really hard and I needed to. So yeah, after just putting some things together, doing some research on my own, finally went to the doctors. Like I really need to get screened for this. Like I at that time too, this is, you know, probably, you know, by the time like October, November, just the fall period of time, things were really like tough where I wanted to up level with my own business. I wanted to make some other gains in life and I just couldn't move forward in the, like the significant larger steps that I wanted to got screened and they're like, yeah, you hundred percent have it. <laughs> that was that. Right. <laughs> I know. I, I went into my doctor's office with so much paperwork and I was expecting, you know, I, I had to like go on this whole lecture and defend my thesis. And she was basically like, you had me at hello. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, I found the same. Like I almost felt like a fraud. It's like, what if I go and I fake, like not intentionally, but what if I faked the assessment and they're like, you have it, here's some meds. But like, what if I was a fraud and there's other people out there with more severe ADHD who, who need this more than I do. And I just always felt like I was doing fine. Like I did so well in life from an outside perspective. I didn't want to be that fraud. Yeah, you know? no, I, I, I hear that a lot from interviewing other women. And I certainly felt that too. I call it the other imposter syndrome, which is like, do I even have this? Am I even struggling? Do I need medication? What do I need it? What would I need it for? You know, all of those questions and always like, like I was told by my therapist who has ADHD, and then I was diagnosed by a psychiatric professional. And still, I constantly and, and I have a podcast, like I'm talking to people about it. And, and it's like, been become my life. And yet I still have those moments where I'm like, like you said, like, do, is this even it, you know? And, and I often feel like that, that sense of, you know, if you are even having those questions, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> an indication that you have it because it seems like that seems to be such a common experience for and us. I wonder for females, if it's more so because we're diagnosed so late in life. So when we think things are hard, we're like, oh, well, that's just because I'm not working hard enough or I haven't done enough work on my own mindset and there's just more I need to do, right? Just strive harder because, you know, you don't have ADHD, right? That's the little boy hyperactive syndrome. And I think when we get diagnosed, it's like, but we did so well, like life is supposed to be hard. And then we realize it's not necessarily mm. supposed to be this hard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think also the, like you were saying before, like, I didn't relate to ADHD at all because of my misconceptions about what it was. And it really wasn't until I started researching like the executive function aspect of it, that all of the light bulbs went off, you know, about um, how many different ran seemingly random struggles all kind of came back to this one description. And um, I often wonder when I tell other people that I've been diagnosed with ADHD and they don't have any background, they don't know what ADHD is, they're having the same misconceptions that I used to have. Like, what are they thinking when I say I have ADHD? <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> if you have two hours, I'll explain to you the whole long laundry list of all the reasons why I have it, but I can't do that. So I'm always like, what are they thinking? Like, are they thinking to themselves? Well, she's not hyper. That's impossible. Or, you know. <laughs> Exactly. I have a question for you. When you got diagnosed officially, did you already have all the systems in place that were working for you with like the executive functioning or did that come after for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of that idea of like, how much am I struggling? I mean, I was diagnosed at 45. So I had intuitively come to a lot of the realizations in my own life that are, you know, when I would go to ADHD websites and see like, what is, you know, what are recommendations for energy? What are recommendations for nutrition? There were a lot of things where I was sort of like, oh, I've already intuitively come to these realizations on my own just from living on this world. And you know, try, like, there were a lot of ways in which I was sort of patting myself on the back being like, okay, like, you know, yes, we work a lot harder. And yes, there's a lot about ourselves pre-diagnosis that is confusing, but I did feel like there were some things that I kind of 
a lot of boxes that I had already checked off in my life, like yoga or, or meditation or morning exercise, you know, like getting your heart rate up in the morning and um, all of those things. But then there was also like all of the lo long list of self medicating and like not so great ways in which I coped that I didn't realize was, was uh, ADHD, like alcohol and nicotine and caffeine and all of these things. I'm like, oh, yep, I did that. Oh, yep, definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. And it's, I find if we're more in, kind of in tune with ourselves, we do intuitively seem to find out things that work. I think for myself, it was finding things that work and then second guessing it. You're like, well, there must be a better way because the rest of the world does it this way. Like I must follow mm. that instead. Mm -hmm. And then almost losing your path of what is working for you. I don't know if you ever found that as well. Oh Yeah. Especially with, I mean, there's so many factors that are always changing in your life too. So I feel like even like when I had kids and I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And so there was always, and I was on meds. And then there was that question of like, am I feeling better? Am I not feeling better? I mean, things are changing all the time. Hormonal surges, you know, bring in like the question of like, you know, menstruation and estrogen. And it's so overwhelming to always be questioning, like, is something working? Is it not working? Is it just working now? Is it placebo? Is it not placebo? You know? And I think that's another like, indication that you probably have ADHD is if you if you go down these like think holes <laughs> as the, as, hole. right where you're just like I like the color green do I like the color green what is it about green that why do I like the color green what even is green you know like we have that tendency <laughs> to do that yes my mind went there instantly as soon as you said green I was like ah oh, green <laughs> right I know we we are classic overthinkers <laughs> Uh, so looking back over your life since your diagnosis, what are some things that you look back now and say, oh, of course, that was ADHD. How did nobody I, know? Right? I feel like everyone that I've talked to at this age or, you know, heard on your podcast, it's like everything. <laughs> your life, you're like, wow, my life makes sense now. This is amazing. But I think what really came through, because I'm a fitness professional, it's always been I'll say in my DNA, it's something I've always loved. And people always looked at me like, why does it come so easily for you? And I looked back on what I implemented like, like probably 10 plus years ago where fitness and nutrition just flowed for me. It's because I created these systems and routines that worked so well for my ADHD brain. And I couldn't understand it didn't work very well for the neurotypical but with our brains, it worked well, like moving first thing in the morning, getting your heart rate up, right? Feeling into your body during the workout so you get out of your head. And such a great start to the day. I tracked macros for many years because it was really, it helped me be mindful of what I was eating and helped me pause and not just pull out everything on the fridge and have a bit of everything and leave it on the counter because I want everything and I don't know what to eat. And I, don't know what recipe to create. So the macros was really, really helpful for myself to do that and had helped me. I'm going to say meal prep in quotes because I don't meal prep. I don't create recipes. Like my brain cannot handle that. But I learned how to make like super quick meals that work for me and save me time. Like there's all these little things that never were in the fitness and wellness blogs. They worked so well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a similar experience just in my own um uh with my health coaching too, which was I realize now through my ADHD diagnosis what worked and what didn't work and why. And it's been like mind-blowing to me because I sort of had this long history with dieting and chronic dieting. And now I realize like why so many people with ADHD love to diet because of the structure, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, I go from like eating whatever I want and feeling terrible to suddenly having to count and track and weigh and doing all this stuff. And we love it. But then we also get into a situation where we get overwhelmed and we have too much structure and then we just hit the wall of chronic overwhelm and then we give up. And it's like, oh my goodness, like that's what, you know, when I, when I've been dealing with yo-yo dieting my whole life, that is what is happening right there. Like I can actually kind of label and put a language to what is happening. And so I appreciate 
that structure is really important to us, but I, you know, and so when I was, became kind of an anti-diet health coach and the alternative was intuitive eating, which also is really, really difficult because intuitive eating involves being in tune with your hunger and being in tune with your fullness. And these are things we are terrible at. And so I like really kind of struggled for a long time with intuitive eating because I, I, I believed in it sort of politically, you know, I sort of felt like, yes, it's important to take our mindset away from weight loss and to really kind of focus on health, you know, a more holistic look at health and not just be so focused on the scale. And so I like believed in intuitive eating as a philosophy, but like secretly really, really struggled with it because there was too much freedom. And I was eating all day long and I had no idea when I was hungry or full and what is wrong. Like I felt broken. What is intuitive eating? Exactly. (laughs) And it was so, you know, now I've realized like I sort of, you know, intuitively then came back to what I'm currently doing, which is a far more structured way of eating that's not as rigid. It's not as weight centric. And I feel like it's, you know, the perfect, perfectly tailored to me and my brain. And so, yeah, I definitely want to pick your brain about how you were talking about my journey too. Right. And so it is sort of intuitive in its own way. (laughs) I have been really reflecting on this and what has made me successful and what's kind of swayed me on both ends of the spectrum where creating structure around say nutrition or workouts I think is so essential to learn that whether that's for a couple months whether it's for a year whether it's as long as the person needs it to learn how that can look for them to feel like they have a sense of like consistency and that they can start to identify with like yeah I am a healthy person yeah I do work out yeah I feel good and almost empower them to be like yeah this is working for me I'm not broken I can do this And then they have that to always fall back on and then slowly move to the intuitive eating because I was very, I did bodybuilding for many years, did really well with it, very set around macros. And then when I weaned myself off to, uh, again, the intuitive eating, which I think is so powerful and, and like, again, from a political standpoint, like, yes, we should be intuitive eaters. That's like a good place, but it's hard with ADHD. It's so hard, even for myself, who's always been fitness and wellness person for 15 plus years, like it's hard. (laughs) It really is. So having that basis to be like, you know what, I'm going, I know about macros. I know how to have structure my diet. I'm going to now have that flexible approach as I learn more about what my body needs. So I think it's like creating that almost like a foundation for a building where you need that, but it doesn't like, you still need to build a house. You don't, have just a structure mm-hmm. so then it's like have that flexibility build a room over here build this beautiful yard mm-hmm. kind of sway from that if that makes sense yeah absolutely and I think yeah for me personally a lot of it came from just um eventually realizing that like I had nobody to answer to except for myself and what worked for me and I think a lot of the time you get kind of caught up in the shoulds of lifestyles you know and so that's another thing I wanted to ask you like how, what do you how do you help women who are are dealing with that chronic overwhelm where they are just doing too much, you know, because sometimes like even just counting calories, counting macro, like that can really lead to obsessive behaviors. And I think it takes a lot of, um, you know, like you said, like just sort of knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But like, how do you talk somebody off the ledge when they get, when they do hit that chronic, because I feel like that happens a lot with women, with my clients, with like, with women who are used to dieting their whole lives. And so they have no sense of self-trust. They have no idea what they're supposed to do. They need to get all of their eating and, and exercise rules from a magazine or an app or something else. And so like, you know, and then it gets to be like, they've sunk all this money into it or, you know, like I said, you hit that chronic overwhelm wall and then you just chuck it all out. And then, so I love what you said about like changing your identity, identifying as an active person or identifying as somebody who is, who is healthy. You know, I think that's really important for us as a, with ADHD in terms of how we define ourselves, like how we define ourselves is, is important to us. And I think it's something that we put a lot of value in and it's something we really struggle with. So I'll stop Mm -hmm. talking. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I hear you. I have ADHD too. (laughs) 
it's you said so many great things and my brain was going different directions I'm like oh my god yes yes like all these things I could um kind of say to that with nutrition wellness fitness all those things it's so customized when I work with women it's not like you need to fit this blueprint this needs to work for you like yeah if we all have ADHD, it's a little bit easier. I know what's going to work and what's not going to work at the start. But if someone's a chronic dieter and really strict, so they already know that structure in their life. Now it's a move more into the intuitive eating, what that looks like for them. And a big thing for intuitive eating and for exercise is starting to get out of our heads and just feel our body. And that's why I love the combination of exercise. And that can be in any form. For women who it's, it's new to them, I recommend you know some sort of weight training for I me mean, the physical benefits but also because it really forces you to be in your body it's like what am I doing right now am I doing this right oh I'm lifting weight I don't want to kill myself right now because I'm lifting weight and don't want to drop on my toe so it forces them to feel their body and I love that because that streams to other areas of their life and with the overwhelm I mean that's classic me all the time it's really nailing down your priorities for like this, these three months, like the time right now, it's like, what do you really want to focus on? And when we can get hyper-focused on something, like build that foundation around our wellness, feel really good about that, then we can fall back on it because it starts to become part of our identity. Now, I kind of went into different directions there. Hope that made sense. But to add to the whole identity part and feeling into our body, something that's been very powerful for myself and what I work with people on is creating or visualizing or writing down whatever works for you, who you want to become, like who's your future self. If you could dream about yourself in whatever time frame, like the perfect life, who are you? Like, how do you show up in the world? How do you act? How do you feel? What does your life look like? Who do you identify as? Because then we can start to envision ourselves, but living the life we want and doing the things we want to do. And for me, it's like, oh, I'm focused. Oh, I'm really intentional. I'm taking pauses. I'm not always all over the place. And as soon as I start to visualize that every single day, it becomes part of my life more and more. So I found that so powerful for myself and working with clients to be like, you can be that person. You already are that person. It's just slowly becoming her in little bits like every single day. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, when I hired a business coach after I was diagnosed with ADHD, it was like the first thing I did. Cause I was like, Oh, this is why I always have like a gazillion ventures and never complete any of them. And so I hired a business coach and her you know, she's really helped me see the importance of sticking with one thing and, and, and really just like, you know, we, we have this like runway and you got to like stay on this runway and stop. There's so much noise all around the runway and there's so many things we want to do and there's, everything feels urgent and we're always distracted and going off and doing other things. And, and we're, you know, we see the big picture a lot of the time. And I think like, I'm I'm so grateful for the fact that she has helped me really focus on um, just that one step in front of me. And I think that that extends to our health journey as well. You know, if you can kind of take that idea and, and put it in a health perspective, we have a tendency to be, you know, that idea of like new year, new me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a totally different person. And so within that is like a sense of overwhelm obviously like we keep coming back to that but also like you know seeing this big picture not knowing how to get there and then also feeling like a sense of self-denial for who you were um and so I think it can also you know that idea of of wanting to make a change like we have a hard time just making one change we have to do everything you know like I remember the first time I ever heard the 80-20 rule I was like I don't understand how are you 80-20 it's 100 or nothing there is no in between (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think yeah like I think that emphasis like you said on on the short term, on that one step ahead, you know, one step in front of the other, let's look at three, you know, what are my three month goals as opposed to what we tend to do on our own, which is just like, oh my God, I'm joining a gym. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend eight hours at the gym every day. And then I'm going to injure myself. And then I'm going to stop going to the gym. <laughs> like there is, we're such all or nothing people. 
Mm-hmm. And I, it's so funny because we will say that it's like easier said than done. I also hired a coach, like hundred percent recommend always working with a coach in some form because they really keep you on track and essentially give you blinders to everything else. Or like, just focus on what I tell you, which is that next step. So for fitness and wellness, so I got into, you know, just working out and overall wellness when I was a teenager. And that was before all this internet stuff. Like it wasn't a big thing. When I started bodybuilding there, I think my fitness pal existed, but there wasn't much online. It was still very niche. So yeah. So so how did you get involved in it? What was the, you were in high school? I was early twenties okay, and I would always just be intrigued by the fact that the, I think that's like the discipline, the strength, the aesthetic, like every part of it was really intriguing to me. And I loved lifting weights for many reasons. And that almost gave me a goal to work towards like a sport. Like if you're a runner, you do a race. And I still was about when I got into just wellness, how there wasn't much information available because it wasn't overwhelming. I hired a coach. It was really easy. I just followed the limited information I had. Even now, if I Google any sort of wellness or fitness info as someone, this has been my life, I get overwhelmed. There is so much out there. So I can't imagine someone starting new and not looking, just looking online and being like, what do I do? And as ADHD, that is exhausting. Yeah, it's the wild west. (laughs) It is, it is. My advice to all of you out there who are wanting to make some steps in your wellness journey is it is hard to just tune out all of it, but ask for help. If you know someone in your life, that is someone who's a wellness, who says they're like into wellness or a wellness expert. And just ask them like, what's one thing I can do this week? Just one thing. And just tune out everything out there. It's all great info, but yeah, it's going to overwhelm you. I know. And that's the other thing I've, you know, I, I feel like coaches a really good coach doesn't tell you what to do. A really good coach knows what questions to ask and and how to get your own knowledge out of you. And and it feels like, you know, like the Wizard of Oz or like it was within you all along, you know, (laughs) it's just a matter of having that, having that, having your hand held in a way that you can, you can find out what works for you. And, and, you know, I'm, it, breaks my heart sometimes when I see those same questions in the Facebook groups over and over and over again of the women who are struggling and are just looking for the answer. And then all of the answers that come are women who genuinely want to help and are saying, we'll do this, we'll try this, we'll do this, we'll try this. And I'm like, that is the last thing this person needs is 80 other people telling them the one thing that they absolutely definitely need to try. (laughs) And I'm like, nope, just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Just move on. I think this is why I fell in love with meditation and mindfulness because we have the answers in us, right? It's really just taking a pause, feeling what's in our body and listening, just being like, what feels right? Like, like again, all of you out there are wellness people. You're healthy, you're fit. Like that is you just got to find it in you and just take a moment. Mm-hmm. How does your like mindfulness practice for you look these days? I'm still so interested in your, in your fitness background. So you're okay. So you're a certified personal trainer and wellness coach now. Um, and you, but you were like hardcore, right? You were hardcore (laughs) to bodybuilding. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny when people say that because I never thought I was hardcore because it came so easy. I limited information, follow your coach, hyper-focus, super simple. Right. Um, and it makes sense too, right? Like it, with an ADHD lens to be like how that idea of like being competitive with yourself and moving on to the next step and then wanting to like get further and further. Like it makes perfect sense to me how many competitive elite athletes have ADHD, you know? And it's like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. There's like the the people who are the elite athletes who you know, everything kind of falls into place for a certain amount of time. And then, and that makes sense. And then there's the other side of the spectrum of the people who are like, I'm totally overwhelmed. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I'm really struggling. And I've been lying on the couch for a week. And I'm like, yeah, I get that too. I really like, I see both of those. I've been on both ends too. Like I do circus now. I mean, come on circus. There's a million different apparatuses. I'm all over the place. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And now I'm going to do this and this. So a lot less structure, but way more fun, I guess. 
Well, it so is I, structure. I think it's just for yeah. a structure with variety. I think that's important too, right? Yeah, I am a big fan and proponent of including fun in your workout routine. Like if you don't like going to the gym, like don't go, but have something with some structure to get you into a routine. Um, but my fitness journey has been kind of like different directions at different times. And there's lots of different parts to it. But in short, I fell in love with the idea of building strength that you could just build strength by going to the gym and lifting heavy objects. And that was when I was a teenager. Very limited information. I didn't know what I was doing half the time, but I loved it. And started to learn what like bodybuilding was. Now at my frame, I was never like the class of a bodybuilder. I did the bikini kind of fitness aesthetic classes. And I loved the journey of it where I could just go focus on my body turn off my mind for an hour or two in the morning and just really be in my body and knew I was also working towards something like I love the competitiveness of being on a stage and every part of it was fun and it challenged me and it kept me focused and I think that's why I never suspected I had ADHD because I was focused on one thing and did really well and 100% in and loved it. And later on, I, a couple of years ago, I ended up retiring. I was like, I'm, you know, my interests change. I love it, but it's not what I want to pursue anymore. And then at that time, I was already teaching fitness classes, but then got into personal training and realized I love that because I love movement. I love the body. I love biomechanics, but I love teaching and helping women one-on-one that like dialed me in with focus. I could be a hundred percent present and it was just this perfect marrying of focus and helping women and then also started an online wellness coaching business alongside that uh, and then I fell into circus and now I primarily train circus or anything in the air it's pretty much what I do uh, that's amazing I saw something recently on Instagram the um they're like bungee harnesses. I don't even know what it's called I saw it and I just posted it. I was like does this exist near me I just was like oh my god I've never knew this existed and now that I've seen it I can't live without it <laughs> but oh, I feel I've that seen way it. I've not tried it I know um, do it. right I don't know what it is but I feel that way about aerial like whenever I see aerial yoga and stuff I'm like oh my goodness I, I had no idea that was even possible and now I can't live without it <laughs> you do aerial yoga no I don't I would love to though I absolutely I there's I don't know I feel like I can't even ride on a, a roller coaster without getting nauseated so I'm like there's a part of me that gets a little bit worried about that I'll get too dizzy um but I, I love the idea of it <laughs> please go do it you will love it absolutely love it Raise your hand if you're really good with your diet for a few days or weeks, but you always end up sabotaging your own efforts. Or you fear having certain foods in the house because you feel like you lack the self-control to avoid them when they're there. Or you feel like everyone but you has this whole eating and exercise thing figured out and you just want to scream, what is wrong with me? Well, guess what? You are not alone. In my book, Worth It, a journey to food and body freedom. I share with you my own history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating from my very first diet at the age of 14 to the nearly 30 years I spent on a merry-go-round of weight loss and weight regain. I also share with you the six essential steps that helped me to finally break free from diet culture and rediscover my health and my self-worth. If you are ready to break free from dieting and binge eating cycle for good and heal your relationship with food and your body, head to worthitwithkatie.com to get your copy of my Worth It book today. So I guess when you, when we were messaging back and forth and you said that, um, you, you know, the strategies that you had implemented now through an ADHD lens, you realize like why they work so perfectly. And I feel like, you know, like we were saying with, with athletes and how many people I've spoken to who didn't really feel like they had, like they struggled and they were athletes until they got an injury, you know, and then it was like not being able to do that thing that kept them 
on track or kept them motivated or also like now just understanding more about exercise and how it how it helps our brains you know and being like if you're like a if you're really rigorously exercising and then all of a sudden you can't like yeah I can understand why you would emotionally implode um so like for me that was something that was um I now realize like how important exercise is like, it's become like an absolute non-negotiable. Whereas before my ADHD diagnosis, it was sort of like a thing I would dabble in here and there. (laughs) And now I'm like, it's, it's on the list of non-negotiables like eating and drinking water and, you know, the things that have to happen today. Um, So I'm curious when you like, what is your perspective now with an ADHD lens when you talk about things that, um, the strategies that you implement implemented, like what were those strategies? Yeah, some of them kind of touch on already with the structure around nutrition and learning. The big thing for me is like was learning what food's made up of. It's like, okay, there's macros, there's protein, fats, and carbs. Okay, that makes sense. Because when the generation of meal prep for four hours on a Sunday and find a new recipe every day like, was the big thing, I cannot do that. That's exhausting. But at the time, I'm like, I, oh, I know about macros. I can create my own meals really quickly if I just include protein, fat, and carbs. Like I kept it so simple. So it's simplifying it and making it my own and knowing that I didn't have to follow suit. So that was a big thing for me. And I call my one pot meals. I literally choose all my favorite things that fall into the protein, fat, and carbs and put them in a pot. And you can't go wrong with all your favorite things. It's going to turn out great. So that was a big saver for me and just eating healthy and without spending hours on it. The other routine was working out first thing in the morning. I mean, I would, I love fitness. I'll do it at any time in the day, but getting out of my head first thing in the morning always set me up for a great day because of anything else I got to work out in and it felt good. And I connected with my body And that I didn't understand until later when really noticing it's my brain that would go crazy during the day if I didn't connect at some part to my body. And that was such an easy way. I was already going to work out, right? The other system was just not even a system, but getting outside and realizing that nature has a bigger impact on me than I thought. And I actually moved halfway across the country to be in more nature and I didn't know why at the time, why, why I was so called to be outside and to be around color and greenery. But as soon as I'm in it, it's calming and I drop back into my body and get out of my head. And lastly, it was having a workout routine that was a, like a plan, like a structured workout routine that I had for, you know, like 12 weeks at a time. Because when, during COVID, I really just had fun with my workouts. I'm like, I'm not going to have a plan. You know, gyms are shut down. I'm just going to do what feels right in my body. I love that. But I, looking back, I realized having that structure also helped turn off my brain. So in the morning, I could literally just look at what the plan was, know that I could physically do it because I've done it every other week before that. And it helped dive into my body even more. And then work with a mindset coach of getting like further in frame of mindfulness practice, having a daily meditation mindfulness practice where, yeah, starting to connect with what you're feeling, noticing your thoughts and noticing that your ADHD brain is going to go in all directions. And that's amazing. But looking at it from an outside perspective and just being aware of it. And that's been astronomical in the last little while to add to my wellness practice. I love that. You know, you just reminded me when you were talking about how I grew up in Toronto, I grew up in the city and I, my parents were both from Pennsylvania. So we would drive back and forth. It would be this like eight hour drive that we would do like three times a year where we would drive from Toronto to rural Pennsylvania. And so we drove all through New York state and all of the, you know, just these like beautiful, like small towns with these big old houses, with these big wraparound porches. And I always growing up, like I always dreamed of living in the country and having this house with this porch swing and, and, and now I do like, now it's funny. Like now I live in the middle of nowhere in New York state uh, with a huge, you know, old Victorian house with a porch swing and because, and 
and I realized as you were talking, like how growing up in nature and having um, that kind of like quiet, idyllic life was something that I longed for from a, the, as long as I can remember. And it's uh, being in nature is such a huge part of my life now. And as much as I love, like I lived in New York City, I lived in Toronto, like I love cities. They're great when you're in your 20s. <laughs> but um, like, that's funny. I never really thought about how um, being in nature, I mean, I had heard you know, I've heard on, you know, whenever you sort of Google things that are great for people with ADHD, being outside and being in nature. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got all that. But I never thought about the fact that like, I actually structured my life in such a way that I finally got that childhood dream of mine. It's, I have a very similar journey because growing up, I lived and grew up in a, a smaller city, but we had a cabin. So my entire summers were spent out at this cabin, which was lakefront. And that was my happy place. Like even as an adult going back to visit my parents there, like it, it was just so like, like a homecoming. You're just like, I feel that peace here is very blissful. And again, in my twenties lived in a bigger city. And I think when I think back to that time when I'm like, Oh, I was happy. Things were great. I was, you know, in the corporate career at the time in the big city you're like, what, what, what was wrong about that? But I think it's after the fact when you leave that now I'm out in nature again, that you're like, Oh, it was good, but this is so much better. And it <laughs> feels right. Yeah. Like I'm right now building a tiny home to literally be out in the woods. Yeah. And I cannot wait for it. That's amazing. everything I've wanted. <laughs> That's another thing I've been exploring a lot recently is, is the, the overwhelming desire to simplify. I had two parents who were pack rats. And so I've always been, I've always been like a move clean, obsessive, you know, like I moved a lot in my twenties. And even when my husband and I were first married, like we never lived anywhere longer than two years. So it was really great. We were always chronic purgers and I've lived in my current house for 10 years and it's driving me crazy. Like the attic has so much stuff in it. I just like, I have this overwhelming need to purge at all times. And so I was just reading recently about ADHD and like how important it is for us to have like minimalism and, and how we tend to get overwhelmed and we tend to kind of get these piles and stuff and, 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 you know, we're, we're, we think of ourselves as having clutter and all this stuff everywhere, but it's actually like really, really great for our brains to have very little around and why we all love Marie Kondo makes total sense to me now. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't even, what did you say that reminded me of all that? Tangent. Nature. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. the tiny <laughs> home. Yes. Oh my God. I dream. I can't wait for my kids to go to college. So my husband and I can like sell our house and live in a tiny home. Can you just build a tiny home for your kids too? Right? You know, they would be their own home. I know. I know. Maybe. Separate uh, well, <laughs> that would be ideal. That's basically their bedrooms. I don't go in there. I try to stay away. It's so stressful. <laughs> My, my teenage imagine. daughter, I know my teenage daughter's room is the worst. And my husband keeps going in there and he's like, it's terrible. And he's always yelling at her. And I was like, it's, there's a really simple solution. Just never go in there. It's perfect. <laughs> just stay in my Zen room with minimal things where everything is just kind of put away. I know. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's another thing where I see a lot of that dichotomy with women with ADHD, which is like, is your room a total disaster or is it like spot? And it's like nothing in between. It's one or the other. Yeah, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that because when I think back to my 20s, I'm in the city, you know, things feel great. I was more of a pack rat. I, you know, take, took after my parents. I was, you know, similar. They kept everything and things weren't disorganized. It was kind of a mess. And then when you go the opposite way, you're like, well, so much better. Like, less is is so much more when you're with ADHD. Yeah. But like how that affects your mood and how you, your productivity and just like how you think it's all, you know, it's just, it all springs, springs from that idea of like a made bed is, is the first domino in your, your day. Yeah. I find it's almost a good cue of how my internal world is going. Like if I walk into my house and there's stuff everywhere, it's dirty and messy and there's just stuff. I'm like, okay, clearly inside of me in my head I'm stressed I am disorganized because it's going to show up in my physical environment <laughs> and you organize everything away you're like okay let's conquer life again right I know I know absolutely um, so what do you love most about your ADHD since I know you're newly diagnosed I'm also newly diagnosed I was explaining to somebody today you know it's I 
it's, I've only been diagnosed like six months, but that's in human years. In ADHD years, six months feels like a decade. So I know you're, you know, you're also newly a, a 2020 diagnosis, but what do you, what have you come to like really love about it? I think when I was thinking, okay, so when I was thinking of this, I was like, I don't know if this sounds weird, but I love my ADHD brain. It's literally my superpower. And I get a kick out of like myself. I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> so the more I've dove into this mindfulness practice, like I found mindfulness meditation probably six years ago, but it was really since probably the summer noticing the importance of it and going further with it was being able to really notice my thoughts and recognizing now I know it's ADHD. It's like, oh, okay, my ADHD brain is great. Like I am literally hilarious. So I talk to myself a lot. You probably think I'm crazy, but I just talk to myself. And when I meditate, notice my brain. I was like, this is great. Like, I mean, we go all over the place. Why isn't that fun? That's true. That's a good point. You know, I, I, sometimes my mother passed away three years ago and sometimes I wish so many times since my diagnosis, I wish I could talk to her about it because I actually think, I mean, my father is the obvious one who has it, but I sometimes I often think my mother had it because she used to have really lively conversations in her head. And so I would like look over at her and she would just be moving her hands and her, and like her mouth wasn't moving, but you could tell she was having a really intense conversation with somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, I notice I do that sometimes when I'm like, you know, at the grocery store or something, I'll be like having a conversation with somebody in my head. And I'm like, I'd look just like my mom right now. <laughs> <laughs> or my favorite like when you go down the rabbit hole because you're like oh squirrel oh let's really dive into like what is an umbrella why do I have this umbrella is it raining out right now and you just like who made this umbrella <laughs> oh I've never been to that country what is the political system of that country and then you start to realize like I never would have went down this rabbit hole. It wasn't for my great brain. I never would have known about this. That's a good point. We are we are lifelong learners, and I absolutely love that about ADHD. And it's something again that I feel like I talk to a lot with a lot of my guests because many of us had a complicated relationship with academia. <laughs> and so, but I think the one thing we all have in common is how much we love learning and how driven we are when you say like, who invented umbrellas? I need to know this right now. And I'm going to spend the next hour Googling everything I can think of. And then at the end of the day, you're sort of like, I just became an accidental PhD in umbrellas. <laughs> it's, it's so it's, like amusing. It's educational I think our brains keep the party alive for <laughs> everyone around us I honestly think it's my superpower and a lot of ADHD women or I guess people in general are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. like we do so many great things for the world and we have our brains for a reason so why not make use of them yeah. And I think also I notice a lot of women who, since their diagnosis, like almost immediately pivot their businesses to work with other people who have ADHD. And I think when I did that, it was really kind of like, it was twofold. It was sort of, I've realized that the the clients I was attracting probably had ADHD and didn't realize it like me, because we all spoke the same language and we were connected with each other and we, you know, were attracted to each other in, in a way that I feel like we probably all had ADHD and didn't realize it. But then also sort of feeling like, like you said, about realizing how much of what I do is a result of, of my ADHD and making those connections and wanting to deal specifically with other women who have made those connections because then the, like the conversation just kind of comes to that next level where you can actually really talk about why, what it is about ADHD that is making this work or not work. And, and I think that's so helpful for us. So I love when it's, you know, it's such an ADHD thing to get ADHD and then like immediately like dive into transferring and pivoting your business to work with other people with ADHD and like completely reinventing yourself. Totally. I mean, I did the same, right? Because you're like, wow, I finally understand that there's others out there like me that I can help. And I feel like when we help other ADHD women, it's going to empower them and become spokes, more of a spokesperson for ADHD. Like as coaches, we're already spokespeople for it, which tells the world like we're, there's nothing wrong with our brain. It's just different. We can do some really magical things. I think that has an amazing cascading effect as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
Um, okay, so now if you could rename ADHD because it's so problematic for so many of us and so especially us women who felt like we weren't hyperactive or didn't actually recognize where our hyperactive activity lay. I think many of us are hyperactive internally. Uh, we just didn't make that connection. Um, but it's so, I feel like the idea of attention deficit is really problematic. Hyperactivity is problematic. The term disorder is problematic. Like it just needs a new name. So <laughs> what would you call it if you, if you could change the name? It's not a super succinct, like catchy name, but literally it's like our superhero cape. It <laughs> makes us who we are and makes us excel at like at starting our own business, at being lifelong learners and being PhDs and umbrellas and all those random quirks that a neurotypical brain, like it just, it's not them. And I like to look at it like the color of your hair. It's like, I have blonde hair, you have brown hair it's just like brains our brains are a little bit different, but we all have them for a reason to make great impact in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I was telling that to my daughter who's a lefty and, and I was sort of likening ADHD in an ideal world. ADHD would be like being left-handed, you know, you have a few things that are, difficult for you. Like if you're sitting in a desk and the desk is made for somebody with right-handedness, you're like, why is this so annoying? Um, or if you have the wrong scissors, but like, really it's just sort of a neurodivergent issue that shouldn't, we shouldn't be struggling as much as we are. Like so many of our struggles over our lives come from the fact that we were existing in a system that didn't help or serve us. And so it is like, I understand why people feel like the term superpower is probably is problematic or the, or that, that it somehow like negates how much we really did have to work extra hard and how much we did struggle and how much of that sort of internalized self doubt. Like there is a lot of grief to this diagnosis that I think it's important to recognize, but at the same time, like, it didn't have to be that way. You know, like if we had just yeah. been in a society that kind of recognized that we were no different than just somebody who was a lefty, you know, on I that note, like... I, I just want to add that reminds me that I actually was a lefty and my kindergarten teacher forced me to be a righty. That is dating me. Cause I don't think teachers do I've that heard, anymore. I've heard that. Yeah. A lot of lefties. Yeah. I know my mom forced to be teacher right hand. Which I know. Is right. Yeah. Insane. So when, yeah. So when my daughter was born and my husband was like, we're both right-handed, how did we end up with a left-handed kid? And I was like, well, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Something you don't know about me. Right? I'm masquerading as a righty. <laughs> Please don't judge. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I totally, I, I feel like if we, if we aren't held, like I feel like society can be these shackles to this superpower that we have, and and if we're not held back, if we're in a situation where we are empowered and we're set up for our ultimate success. Like it feels like the sky is the limit when, when it comes to, to what we're capable that, of. It's for everyone on this planet. We all have our own superpower. It's really just what strength or what we feel called to do and really making the most of it. So when I finally was officially diagnosed with ADHD, it was made me realize the things that I thought were weaknesses and I had to make better about myself to keep up with like the societal norms and how certain things are structured in our life. I, I can let those things go and be like, no, I can just work on becoming even better at the things I'm great at already. And that was the things that my ADHD brain was excelling at and learning, of course, how to maximize that. But that's, that's my superpower. That's what I'm really good at. So why not focus on that versus trying to, you know, strengthen these so-called weaknesses to fit into a societal mold. And everyone has their superpower. It's really your, what, I think it was the book of the big leap maybe of like your zone of genius, like working your zone of genius, because that's really going to impact the world and make you feel like your best self every day. Yeah. That's such a great point. I love that. Okay. So now do you work with clients virtually? Let's, I want to find out a little bit more about your current business because you're located in Canada, right? Where are you? In, you're in, I'm out in uh, BC, British Columbia. Whereabouts in BC? I'm right outside Vancouver. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I love that area so more much. Nature. Yeah. I mean, before COVID was personal training in person and then COVID changed a lot of that. 
So I have all of my clients are virtual. So I do still personal train. I do teach circus classes and uh, different disciplines within that. And then I'm launching a coaching program this spring here for women with ADHD that includes the fitness and the nutrition, but a big wellness component. And really learning to feel into our bodies, develop and that structure to feel like, yeah, I, I am a fit person. I am a healthy person and start to identify with that as, as who they are. Because I know that after working together that they'll feel so empowered with their health and feel strong and capable to do absolutely anything in their life that pulls their attention. Because let's be honest, our attention's pulled everywhere. <laughs> you want to go on a hike today and a long bike ride tomorrow and then go paddle canoe the next day. Like I want all those women to be able to do that. And I know this program will leave them feeling like that. Yeah, I think also one thing, maybe we discussed it and I already forgot, but <laughs> I think the idea of identifying as a as a fit person, I think why that is so important for us with ADHD is because if we identify as that person on a permanent basis, it's so much easier to take the break, you know, or to, to deal with an injury or to reduce that sense of overwhelm. Um, and maybe you already realize this. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just Absolutely. making that connection. But it's you know. because like that consistency thing, it's like, do you want to really have feel like you have to work out every day and go to the gym? Hell no. But knowing that that's who you are, that you're a fitness person, you're like, oh, well, this week I'm going to focus on some other things, but I know I'm going to move my body and feel my body and feel my best because that's who I am. Yeah. Right? It's really and, identifying who you want to be. Right. And and if I have to take the day off because I'm doing other things, I can get right back into my routine again without feeling like, oh, I'm going to throw out the baby with the bathwater, which is something right. we tend to do so much when it comes to our health. Self-sabotage. Like that trust of yourself and being like, yeah, I trust myself that I'm going to do that tomorrow because mm -hmm. that's who I am. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So where can people find you? How can they, how can they reach out to you? So Karen Broda coaching at gmail.com right now is how they can connect with me. I love hearing from other women, whether it's questions, comments, always love to point in the right direction if I can. So it's my first and last name coaching at gmail. So Karen Broda coaching at gmail.com. I am on Facebook as Karen Broda. You can also find me there. And yeah, my coaching program's launching in the spring here. So if you're interested in that, I'd love to talk more to see if it is a fit for you. And if not, if I can point you in a different direction and you guys go rate and view Katie's podcast. Cause this podcast is amazing. <laughs> it's like listening to other ADHD women. I did not ask her to say that that was totally spontaneous, but I am forever grateful. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> we're going to forget to do that. So go do it now. Go rate it. I know. <laughs> right? Johnny will not remember to do it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for having this podcast and reaching out to other women with ADHD to share their stories. It's really, really powerful. So thank you. And thanks for having me. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com or on Apple Podcasts or Audible or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is women and ADHD podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. 
And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.